0: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches, but there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
1: of a detour. Recruiting never stops, especially for Georgia football. Welcome to the podcast that covers Georgia football recruiting from all angles and spotlights the legends of tomorrow. It's the Recruiting Bulldog Update, the RBU Podcast. To Chubb, Chubb at right
2: tackle breaks one sack,
1: breaks another one. Now he's in the open 40, 30 near sideline. Jump, jump, jump! Touchdown!
2: We go wild dog with Sony. Nauta goes in motion left, snap it to Michelle, he's
1: running to the left, angling, 25-20, got a block for From 50 10, 5, touchdown, 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 Dawgs win it, we're headed to Atlanta. Shotgun, give it to Fromm, he's going to hand it off to Swift, Swift's got running room, Swift by the defense, 40-30, they won't catch him, go Swift, into the end zone, touchdown, the freshman just ran it back to Philadelphia.
2: We hand it off to Herschel, there's a hole, time. 10, 12, he's running over people! Oh, you Herschel Walker! Gurley, five yards deep, and Todd will bring this one out. And there he goes, one block and it might be over. Todd Gurley, coast to coast, can he make it? Yes, he can!
1: Touchdown. Hello everybody and welcome to episode three of the Recruiting Bulldog Update, otherwise known as the RBU Podcast. I'm your host, Blaine Gilmer, and excited to be bringing you the third episode of the podcast. In this podcast, of course, the RBU Podcast Recruiting Bulldog Update, we cover everything Georgia football recruiting. It centers solely around Georgia football recruiting, and we like to cover it from all angles. In episode one, we touched on the quarterback situation that's looming with uh, Brock Vandergriff and then Gunnar Stockton being committed in the class right behind him and how that would be different from Jake Fromm's and Justin Fields. So check that out. Uh, episode 1 covered that situation. Episode 2 touched on Von Laster, who was the high school head coach of Jake Fromm, Trey Hill, and Marius Mims. Got to see the, what it's like from the perspective of a high school head coach and what separated Georgian recruiting. So if you missed that, that one's also in the archives that you can catch on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, of course, over on the Bulldog Illustrated YouTube page, however you're listening here, kind of just check back and you'll see it in the archives. But today, we have another angle of recruiting, which is the the high-profile seven-on-seven teams that travel around the country uh, loaded with talent. One of the finest programs in the country is run by Tony Ballard. That program is Hustle, Inc. Hustle, Inc. is where Gunnar Stockton is the quarterback for Hustle Inc. And there are several uh, high profile targets on the offensive side, including Oscar Delp, Kojo and Tweed, that Tony Ballard is going to touch on in the interview that we have uh, recorded that we're going to play here for you this week. Then, of course, Marquise, Gro- Marquise Groves Killerbrew, who's committed to Georgia in the class of 2022. He uh, plays for Hustle Inc. Um, Michael Daugherty, who's a major um defensive back target in the class of 2023 from grayson high school he's on the team there's just so many high profile four and five star recruits that play for hustle inc and and all of these teams that they compete against whether it's cam newton seven on seven uh south southeast express all these teams that travel around the country and playing these high profile targets high profile tournaments seven on seven game has really changed And it's also changed recruiting by the relationships that it builds and kind of the dynamics that that it brings in because these recruitments are ongoing, uh, they're fast-paced, and things can change quickly. Um, And we're going to talk to Tony Ballard here about how 7-on-7 has changed the game and then also get his insights on uh, the recruitment recruitment of Power 5 schools, these prospects in general, how demanding it is, things of that nature. And then also uh, we'll touch with him on his inside perspective on Gunnar Stockton, what Georgia's getting there out of the commitment uh, of Gunnar Stockton, the quarterback from Raven County. And then, of course, also his insight on Oscar Delp and Kojo Antwi, who Georgia would love to be able to bring in. So we'll have that interview coming up. Of course, later in the show, we'll also have our commitment watch, see who is maybe on the verge of making a commitment, talk about some of the scheduled commitments, and give our official predictions here on the RBU podcast. First, though, you're going to hear from 2022 running back four-star Tevin White. White is down to his final two schools, and you don't want to miss this if you follow Georgia football recruiting Dog Bites with Tevin White right after this word from Bulldog Illustrated. If you love Georgia sports and also anything and everything about Athens, then you need to be following Bulldog Illustrated. Bulldog Illustrated is not only a website at bulldogillustrated.com, that's B-U-L-L-D-A-W-G-illustrated.com, but it's also a printed publication that's published in the spring some and then also every week during the fall during football season. Of course, Bulldog Illustrated, like I said, covers anything and everything about the city of Athens, including Georgia sports. Every Georgia sport you can think of, whether it's baseball, basketball, football, golf, soccer, tennis, gymnastics, everything. And Greg Poole kind of manages it all as the media director over there at the website take some terrific photos so go check that over over out on the website as well and then of course vance and sherry levy are the owners the founders uh vance levy is the lead editor so they do a great job with it check it out bulldog illustrator.com i write an article every day called the dog daily thread and there's a community of georgia fans and followers over there that that like to Talk about things on a daily basis, set things topical, share things on there. So it's a great kind of community as well over on the Dog Daily Thread. So check out com, and they are proudly presenting this RBU podcast to you today. All right, guys, now so it's time for our first Dog Bite segment. That's Tevin White a running back out of Stafford, Virginia. He's got an update on his recruitment, all that kind of stuff. Before he gets to that, he's going to touch on this first Dog Bite sound clip on his hamstring injuries recovering from because they're in season right now in Virginia. And then also he's been more of an outside type runner and a pass receiver up in Virginia, but he's also uh, been working really hard to try to improve his inside run game, and he touches on those two things first.
0: Yeah, so it's unfortunate because like, I can't go full speed, and I had to sit out um, last week's game actually Uh you know, it's really unfortunate that I can't play for my team. But you know, from here on out, I'll be I'll be forced to be 100. So I, you know, I'll try my best to do what I can for my team. But it was just pretty sad. Like, I couldn't be full speed in there for my team because of because uh, of the injuries. I feel like this year, um, I felt more like whenever we did any type of inside zone, like run between, like any type of run between the tackles, I felt more comfortable and I just had more confidence. while I was running, um. I feel like I definitely did uh, better on that aspect. But, uh, unfortunately, I think because my injury coach didn't want to put me out of, like, the receiver position. Um, so I haven't been getting the ball that much uh, as like, a as receiver.
1: So it'll be good to be able to see some film of Tevin at full speed, of course, working on becoming more of a complete back inside and outside running, as he said there. Now he's going to touch on actually when his commitment date is and also, kind of what's going to be most important to him going forward in his recruitment and helping him make a decision.
0: I'm just waiting for uh, these are, uh, these official visits, and I'm still planning on committing uh, June 24th. I mean, not so much the facilities or, like, um, you know, like anything like that because, you know, they're both great programs. They both can have, you know, all that type of stuff. Um For me, I just want to see in person the campus life, you know, what it's going to look like outside of football. Um, I want to talk to the coaches face-to-face, not over the phone. Uh, That's a big thing for me Um, because, you know, it could be totally different. So, uh, And I I just know, like, I feel like I'll have a feel. I have a better feel for the college I'm in person. So I feel like I'll know, you know, which college I'll be able to commit to. So
1: that's what I'm looking for. Finally, in the last dog bite here, Tevin White did say that he's still open to all six of his schools, but there are two schools that are really high up on his list right now, and that would be Arizona State and Georgia. Those are the only two that are really guaranteed to get official visits from him once things open up here, and he talks about each of them first starting with Arizona State, kind of the distance away from home, whether that factored in or not. Their their coaching staff a lot of NFL guys. And then he gets into Dale McGee, uh, Georgia, and some of those other things um, about the University of Georgia as well. So uh, enjoy this last section here of Dog Bites with Tevin White, and then we will go right into the interview with Tony Ballard. I
0: thought he'd been really far away. That was never, like, a big aspect of me, like, whenever I'm going to commit to a college. So, like, it can be anywhere, like, in the United States, and it wouldn't really matter to me, honestly. So, location wasn't really, like, a huge factor. Um, in terms of, the like, coaching staff, of course, I know that I got really good, you know. You know, and, uh, former NFL players, I have a lot of experience, spirits, but it really stuck out to me is, uh, is how they try and recruit me. Um, you know, they all come to me and, you know, me like family. Um, none of them act like they're you know, a big shot even like, you know, they're in the NFL. The whole staff uh for example like I was on a zoom meeting with them last weekend and the whole staff came on um to say hi to me, not just, you know, being the best coach. Um so that really meant a lot to me.
1: That first part there was about Arizona State. Now he's gonna get in and touch on Dell McGee in University of Georgia.
0: I feel like uh the relationship between me and him is going, is going really good. I feel like now I like, more comfortable it's more like a, um I wouldn't say like a fan-type relationship but you know we're both comfortable we can, you know, trust each other and say what we want. Um yeah, I mean I knew I mean I knew some other groups are gonna be um I uh, he was gonna be recruiting as well. He didn't say anything like about me so much but he only thing he said it in that like kind of area was he said that you're our guy and, you know, he's still gonna um kind of recruit me no matter what. Like, he said it's gonna be all these other guys that's gonna wanna you know, coming, but he said he definitely is going to keep on
1: Here with Tony Ballard here joining the RBU podcast. Coach Ballard, I uh, wanted to welcome you and appreciate you for uh, joining me today. I appreciate you.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: All right, Uh so now we're going to talk about, here on RBU Podcast, we try to cover every angle of recruiting, um, college football recruiting, specifically Georgia football recruiting, but something that Georgia and all the big schools are, are kind of utilizing now is this scouting opportunity that comes through these seven-on-seven tournaments and programs such as your organization with Hustle, Inc. Um, wanted to get your opinion and, and just kind of, your focus on how uh seven on seven has changed over the last five or ten years and, and how that uh that dynamic of football is changing.
2: Well, I mean we got into this seven years ago just basically for the sole purposes of our quarterback. Um just outside of just training but also just give these kids more development, playing on another level, uh really understanding Uh, keys, coverages, you know, small windows to throw, as well as throwing the ball to and against elite receivers or DBs. Um, So how has it changed from seven years ago to what it is today? One, there are more teams involved. Two is um, I think that it gives these college coaches an opportunity maybe that if a kid didn't get to camp um, to, to see a little bit more about that kid as well, Um, but I think the main thing of where 707 has changed is it's an opportunity where some of these teams are taking full advantage of maybe getting these kids on a college campus that maybe kids probably couldn't get an opportunity to get on a college campus. What do I mean by that is that we, we use the 707 platform to help kids get to the next level. Let's make sure we understand this, that is, I don't care what that kid does in 707, at the end of the day, he still has got to have some sort of Friday night film to be able to match what he's doing in 707 so some of these coaches can now really evaluate a kid, what he looks like with helmet and shoulder pads on versus shorts and a T-shirt. Um, I would say that we use that platform to help kids. If we're going to go play in a tournament, I mean, now we're in a tough situation due to the COVID situation. But we use that platform. If we're going to go play in a tournament, it gives us an opportunity to take 25, 50 years or whatever it may be that we're taking on that trip to go by and visit a college program, to go by and visit with college coaches, to go see a college campus, things like that. So that's kind of in a nutshell of how we use it and where it's really going now in terms of what it used to be seven years ago because I'm not, I'm not sure seven years ago people were really doing that. To what they're doing now because now there's so many teams across this country it's really hard to keep up with
1: no doubt that it seems like every weekend there's these massive tournaments all over the country that uh, high profile athletes which you have many of there uh, in your hustle inc organization uh and that's a, you know credit to you and the reputation you've built and how you uh treat these treat these young men and their, and their families and that's kind of the next thing that i wanted to ask is From a prospect standpoint, somebody who's maybe looking to get into a 7-on-7 team or maybe a high school coach looking to place an athlete with a 7-on-7 program, how careful do prospects and their parents and high school coaches have to be about what organizations they select? Because there are some out there that maybe might not have the best interests of the athlete in mind, such as yourself and Hustle Inc.,
2: I would say, first of all, when people try to get into 707, what's the rhyme or reason? Meaning, we're talking about a parent with their with their son. What's the rhyme or reason why you're doing 707? Is 707 just for your son to keep his skill set up? Is 707 for an opportunity for him to go visit schools? What is once they've kind of identified what that rhyme or reason why they're getting involved in 707, then you just go from there. I will honestly tell you. The what we use in, in terms of how to get kids into our program, we generally try to bring a kid in as early as 15U. Uh, the reason why is because we want these kids to go through the process of understanding how this thing is being played, which means everybody and their mom, in terms of how our program works, we want to make sure that every kid gets an opportunity to, one, showcase their talent, two, get developed, three, you know we're 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 big on not only just on the field but we're big on off the field as well uh Those are the things that we try to do in our program um We also try to do things like help kids get to the next level um whatever it is that we could do because based on our entire staff I mean we've got guys that are playing in the national football league, we've got guys that are lawyers that are that are doctors we've got business owners we've got all these different things in our organization to help a kid understand that football is not the end of the world. That's not that's just not that's just not what the ultimate thing is. The ultimate goal, number one, is to showcase that talent and be able to enjoy the fruits of that labor. But ultimately, if you should get an opportunity to go to college for free or whatever it may be, then you use that to set yourself up for forty years down the line. Because you and I know that this window of playing this this sport is closing. It's getting smaller and smaller by the minute. So we want to make sure that these kids have an understanding of what it means, of what free education, those no student loan means, and that is these kids will never understand that until basically four, three to four years after be after graduating from college of not of of knowing how important that is to not have uh, uh, a loan that you have to pay somebody back based on because you needed it for education purposes or whatever it may be to that college program. So that's what we're doing. Those are the things that I think parents have got to really look forward to. Everybody's going to come out and everybody's going to try to give you their best, and they're going to try to do this and sell you on this and sell you on that. I I do believe that we as a program, not only just us, but then there are multiple programs around this country, whether we're dealing with C1N, whether we're dealing with Team Tampa, whether we're dealing with South Florida Express, Fast Houston, or Boom, or something of that makes these teams here. I think when you do your homework, those programs give you an opportunity to really know exactly what it is that they're doing in-house. So that makes sense what I'm saying to you.
1: Absolutely. Um, In terms of, in the last question on the 7-on-7 stuff, kind of before we get to recruiting aspect, uh, do you feel like college coaches as a whole are kind of becoming more open to the individualization aspect of the sport? Because one thing you do notice with 7-on-7 is uh, kids are allowed to celebrate more, they're allowed to, you know, kind of, show that show that on field, you know, swag and, and attitude a little bit more in these tournaments and stuff like that. And that's something that used to be just a big no no at college football. They wanted to kinda of stay away from all that. But I think that's changing a little bit. Do you kind of see that that relationship, kind of the trickle up effect, I guess, if you will, of, you know, hey, here's what's happening in the high school level and, and kind of making its way up to college, all the way to up to these coaches and how they're interacting with kids?
2: I, I, I can't you know, that's a great question, a great question. My answer was solely probably I'm not really sure because I haven't really ad- – I've, re- I've never really actually talked to a college coach about that, um, so I can't really speak on that right now. But I would tell you if, it, if they are being acceptable to that, then this is a famous thing that I always tell our kids in our program, and I've been telling this forever. You know, when you do that in terms of celebration – Just do it with class. And people could do that with class in terms of celebrating what you see in seven on seven. It's just not to talk to the other players or the other individuals on other teams or coaches or whatever. You can celebrate. You can still have joy. You can still have fun enjoying what it is that you just did. But just do it with class. Do it in the confinement with you and your teammates. And I think that's where uh, we could get a little better because, you know, if you you paid attention to seven on seven circuit, you know, it gets a little bit out of hand, you know, whether they're throwing the ball at another player or whether they're, you know, surrounding an individual and patting on his head, which means that, you know, this kid got dunked on or whatever these kids may say. You know, those things right there, it's gotta, that's got to be removed from 707 because that kind of stuff to give is starting to give 707 a little bit of a bad rep, in my opinion, because those things are getting out of hand. So I would tell you that ultimately if a college coach is liking that, it's it's the ones that they're liking the ones that's probably the ones who are doing it with class and doing it right. I mean, and not wrong and not now causing a problem. You know, whether it's with another player or another coach or whatever it may be. But I would just say, ultimately, if that's going to be the case, it's got to be done with that class. You got to do it within the confinement of your team.
1: No doubt, no doubt. And um, now, it's kind of moving on to in general from just out. Outside perspective, your perspective dealing with high-profile athletes like on your team alone, Gunnar Stockton, Kojo Antwi, Oscar Delp. You know you have um, Marquise Gross, Killer uh, Michael Daugherty. All the, all these players who are national nationally coveted recruits. Um, what kind of uh what do you, do you observe out of these players' recruitments in terms of how demanding it is, uh, how stressful maybe it is on a player, and then also um, how colleges are approaching these kids today, especially during this time of COVID? Well, I mean,
2: to the recruitment thing, we always tell our kids at the end of the day, you know, kids will, and and every one of these kids that you just named, and they're going to be there are several more in our program. The young ones, whatever, and they're, you know, everybody's so antsy about this recruiting thing. And we always tell our kids all the time, once it's started, don't stop. And you're going you're gonna to be bothered by it. You're going to be agitated, you're going to be aggravated, and you're going to wish it stopped because that's just how it works, man, especially with all these guys. You ask any of those guys you just named and name some more across this country, these kids really want it. But at the end of the day, some of these kids have now decided that, hey, this is enough. Uh, you know, whether it's a coach in the inbox, whether it's a coach texting them, whether the coach saying, hey, call me at this certain time every week or every Wednesday, season. some of those kids have a tendency that they just don't really want that. So I would tell you in that aspect, that's where I feel with the recruiting, uh, with the high-profile guys. It's not a difficult thing for us because we've been used to this. Uh, even before we started 707, I've always had kids that were high-profile, uh, high-demand quarterbacks or whatever. This is this is nothing. We just kind of warn our kids that this could potentially happen once this theme starts to pick up in terms of college coaches wanting to recruit you, wanting to get on the phone, things like that. So this is this is an easy thing for us. This is nothing new. Now, to the second part of your question, what was that part now as well?
1: Just the inter- – you basically answered it right there in terms of the interaction, you know, how, how does it kind of go sometimes with the interaction of you know, college coach with COVID. I mean, they don't get to do visits anymore, so now they're really just blowing these kids' phones up (laughs) with text messages and Zoom calls, and I can imagine that gets a little uh, aggravating at some point for some of these guys, which you kind of attested that it did.
2: Right, right. But but, but one thing, I'm never going to get aggravated with this process with these kids because, in my opinion, and and if you talk to any other organization that has this as well, all of the South and Express, the fast using the Team Tampas, or, you know, the C1Ns, obviously. It's, this this is not aggravating us because we built this monster, so this is what we want. This is, this oh, yeah. is what we want. We want these coaches to rely on us to help get the, these young men in front of them and build those relationships with them. So at the end of the day, we have 120 kids in our program as of today. And I, I want the, those college coaches reaching out to me. I want them to say, hey, coach, Tell me about this kid. Hey coach, do you have a roster? I want that because at the end of the day, this is what I envision our program to be and much, much more. And it's going in that direction. So I'm 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 all for it. We have a a a a, a good operation staff and um we got a good coaching staff around us and I believe that, that that this is what we want and this will this will ultimately help our kids achieve the goals that they're looking for. And obviously that is to go to school for free.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a great, great thing to be able to help those help those young men accomplish. Um, now, in terms of, I'm going to touch on a few specific, you know, players here for you. Obviously, with this being a Georgia recruiting podcast, uh, Gunnar Stockton, you know, everybody was super excited uh, in Dog Nation to hear Gunnar commit to the University of Georgia Um what did any anything kind of stick did, did anything kind of stick out to you in terms of that process of of uh, Gunner going through the national recruitment that he did being committed to South Carolina coach Muschamp leaving and then uh kind of committing to his home state dogs anything that stuck out to you about that process about Gunner during that process and maybe even the Georgia coaches and staff that may have had interaction with you
2: well i mean <laughs> obviously when you're some sort of driving force or you're part of a kid's process, the college coaches obviously reach out to you. But Gunner kind of handled the entire situation just like any normal quarterback that I've ever had. And we're talking about the Davis Mills who, you know, played at Stanford, was the number one quarterback in the country, Harrison Bailey, uh, to the Dylan Lonigan; These guys are really, really quiet about how they do things. And what do I mean by that? And that is it wasn't about – always on social media with this or with that, Gunnar handled it just the way I expected him to handle it. He quietly went about his business. He had developed a relationship with obviously the coaches that he felt that would be, you know, would, would be able to help him with his development once he's gotten to the next level. Um, obviously in terms of whatever his situation for him to decommit from South Carolina going into Georgia was solely the reason why that was between him and his parents. I don't know. i never asked. Uh, the only time I give input is when I'm asked, and and I just feel that that whatever that decision that they made for why they decommitted from South Carolina to go to Georgia, that is ultimately that family's decision, and that's between them and that family. Um, I support any and everything that any of these kids ever do. If they like it, I love it. But I will now add things to it, like what's going to make you a better player? how it is, What's going to make you a better person? How is it going to get you on the field faster? What do you need to do on day one when you step on the campus? You know, things like that. That's why I help and now give them some sort of uh, uh, guideline of what they need to do to be successful at that level, just like they were successful at the high school level. So uh, I think Kirby Smart got a guy, he got a dude, and and um, I, I look forward to, to seeing that young man compete and get a chance to play for, for, for Georgia. Um, but at this moment, that kid's still got another year of high school football. So I, I, I'm I, ecstatic about the fact that he has an opportunity to, to continue to play at another level for his high school program at, at Raven County.
1: Absolutely. And and lastly, I wanted to ask you about two of Georgia's biggest targets in the class of 2022, which are Oscar Delp and Kojo Antui. that Gunner Stockton has the uh, pleasure of being able to throw the ball to in your seven-on-seven seven program for Hustle, Inc., um, just talk to Georgia fans about you know how talented those two young men are and kind of what each brings to the to the table as uh, as pass catchers.
2: I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, I'll start with Oscar, and, and I think Oscar is a, is a tremendous athlete. Um, you know, obviously, you look at his film from Friday night. The kid plays at a high level. Um, he, he's a bad matchup for a lot of high school defenders. Uh, I'm hoping that would will transition to the next level, uh, getting getting wherever he goes to play college football. Um, he's got a high IQ of football. He's a great kid. That's first of all. Um, and, and I've enjoyed him being a part of our program um, over the last couple of months, and I, I think it's only going to get better for him. And it will also give him a chance because playing in seven on seven, now he becomes in a night match, nightmare matchup with a lot of nickels, you know, a lot of safeties and things of that nature, whatever. So, I'm excited to see what he's gonna do and granted he's got another year high school football. Um Coach o, in my opinion, I've been following Cojo for the last couple of years. For about two years now, a little over two years. And um I think Coach just a Supreme, in my opinion. Uh you go watch his film, he's he's done some really, really crazy things of catching screens, falling down and taking it sixty, seven yards for a touchdown. He's got an enormous amount of speed. Um, He knows the game of football, and he doesn't play at a big-time program where most people will say, okay, all right, he's got this, he's got that. He's doing a lot typically on his own, in my opinion. They have a solid quarterback in their program, but ultimately I think nine times out of ten when you watch Kojo play, he might be the best player on the field. And just just, there's no doubt about it. The kid is a, a phenomenal athlete. He's a phenomenal kid. He's a great kid. But ultimately, man, he, he's going to get a chance to go to school for free and, and save his parents a lot of money, but the kids can play. And I'm excited to see him get to a program to put on ways to get bigger, faster, stronger, and up his IQ. And, you know, I, uh, Kojo and, and Oscar both are high school All-Americans. That's, that's one thing that I'm really proud of. But both of these kids are two high academic kids too. That's 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 the beauty of this, of dealing with kids that, are high IQ kids on the football field but they also are high IQ kids off the football field.
1: Great stuff there by Tony Ballard. Really enjoyed doing that interview with him. Again, the CEO, founder, uh, head coach, if you will, of Hustle Inc., a just nationally renowned seven-on-seven program. Again, Gunnar Stotton and Oscar Dell, uh, Marquis Groves Killer Brew, Kojo Antwi, all of these powerful uh high profile prospects especially in the class of 2022 and they go all the way down to 1415 15 you uh so tony ballard doing a great job over there giving great insight on what the recruitment is like for some of these kids um how how they help them deal with it and then also on some of the georgia targets and commitments there on his per on his team so now we're speaking of commitments, we're going to move into our commitment watch. We're going to hit them kind of rapid fire, if you will. Of course, Malachi Starks is from Jefferson, uh, five star athlete. He is going to commit on March 25th. The choices between Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia. Again, I've thought all along based simply on the proximity the importance of family to Malachi Starks and his family being uh, Georgia fans, if you will, pretty, pretty strong Georgia preference there by his family. I think the fact that also that Malachi is a huge need in this class for Georgia, not just a want, but he is a need. He's, he's kind of one of those can't-miss guys that Georgia has to bring in in this 2022 class. So I do think on the 25th, which is coming up this week, Uh, so you're looking at March 25th that's this Thursday Malachi Starks is going to make his decision at 530 and the choice will be between Alabama Clemson and Georgia I'm going to stamp it right now and say my official prediction is that Malachi Starks will sign with the will commit to the Georgia football program and become uh, one of the key pieces in that secondary that they're trying to Reload on. Speaking of the secondary, another announcement that was just uh, announced, if you will, the, the date The date was scheduled is April 1st. On April Fool's Day, Kamari Wilson out of IMG Academy is going to be committing. He, it, just like Starks, is a five-star safety. Starks is technically an athlete, but uh, Starks, every indication is that he's going to play safety at the college level. Kamari Wilson's more of a true safety, if you will, has he's been playing there pretty much exclusively a long time. Uh, you know, has great cover skills, ball skills once he, you know, makes an interception, has the tip of the ball away, things like that. And then of course he has a lot of Lewis Seen type in him in terms of when he arrives to the ball. He can absolutely lay the wood to you. Uh, Kamari Wilson is a guy that Georgia has really been moving on lately, making up maybe a lot of ground here in the last couple of months. You know, Alabama, LSU, there's going to be a lot of programs that are in this right here in the mix these last 10, 10 days or so before this commitment takes place. But I have a sneaking suspicion with Georgia's really trying to reload on this secondary, making it well known what kind of tandem, you know, if Malachi Starks does end up committing to Georgia, what kind of tandem Starks and... Kamari Wilson could be. Also, you got guys like Lavoisier Carroll, Xavier Sori, Marlon Dean, all teammates uh, there at IMG last year with Kamari Wilson. So guys that they're really pushing hard on. They're leaning hard on Tyler Booker right now. Uh, who will drop his top five on April 12th. Tyler Booker, the big 2022 defensive tackle. Georgia is really, really leaning hard on him in order to to bring him on an IMG guy. So, you know, him and Kamari Wilson, also k Allen, are all comparing notes there in the top, um, in that group of heavy targets there for Georgia. So, commitment watch for Kamari Wilson again on April 1st. I think that Georgia is the favorite right now. I would lean in Georgia landing both Starks and Kamara Wilson, and if that holds true, then Georgia is well on their way to being right up there in contention for the number one class in 2022. Then, of course, the last two we're going to talk about, Emory Floyd. Emory Floyd is a three-star safety out of Hillgrove High School in Powder Springs, Georgia. You know, that would make – if, let say, Starks and Wilson both commit to Georgia, then that would have put them at four DBs in the class with the addition of Marquise Killer Killerbrew and Dayon Bowie. Gross Killerbrew from Brookwood High School in Georgia. Dayon Bowie from Bainbridge High School, the hometown of Kirby Smart. So that I do think there's room for five. Uh, that would put them at three safeties, two corners, really. So I think there is room for five. Georgia's trying to going to have to retool, get some more depth there, and this in the secondary. It's just a question of do you really want to take three safeties? Do they think they need another corner? So it's going to be interesting. One thing I do know is that Georgia's recruiting is centered around. Speed, quickness, which Emory Floyd is a speed demon. and he has that in spades. Kind of a thin guy, 6'2", 165 pounds. Needs to bulk up a little bit, but the uh, the kid can absolutely fly. So keep an eye out on Emory Floyd. He'll be committing On May 7th, Georgia has long been considered a kind of prohibitive favorite because Floyd himself has said that Georgia is his favorite school um, for a while now. So we'll see what ends up happening, you know, not only with Starks and Wilson, how that could have an impact on Floyd. Who knows? We'll see there. But then, of course, the final one is coming up on June 5th, and that is Kojo Antwi. Kojo Antwi is crucial to this 2022 class he would be the first wideout out uh committed to Georgia if uh, nobody pops up before then, of course, but Koja and another Georgia guy uh over from Lambert High School in Cumming, Georgia. Kojan Twee is just smooth as they come. You heard Tony Ballard talking about him in the interview here earlier. He is going to be a guy that has an opportunity to be a very, very special player and uh, an excellent route runner, dangerous, wants the balls in his hand after the catch as well. I tend to think that he reminds me of another guy who was very, very productive in high school in the state of Georgia and turned out to be a really good Georgia Bulldog Malcolm Mitchell, uh, Kojo Antwee, I think has the ability and the potential to even be better than Malcolm Mitchell. And that's saying a lot because Malcolm Mitchell uh, was a go-to guy at the University of Georgia while he was while he was there. So made a lot of great plays, especially some of those Florida games, things like that. So keep an eye out June 5th, Kojo Antwee. I think that was going to come down between uh, Georgia, Ohio State, Texas A&M. Not quite ready to make a uh, prediction on that one yet I do think Georgia and the Aggies are right there battling out the Kojo also has some connections back to the Texas area as well some family things like that and then Ohio State just always the the production they put out the receiver they're always going to be right there able to make a hard push so between now and June 5th Georgia Ohio State Texas a and will all kind of be slugging it out for Kojo Antwi and that brings us to the end of Episode 3 of the RBU Podcast Recruiting Bulldog Update. Hope you've enjoyed getting to know a little bit of the side of recruiting from the 7-on-7 seven seven aspect, those high-octane programs that are traveling the country with all these high-profile prospects. Tony Ballard was great in that. Of course, we got the uh, commitment watch with all the guys coming up that we just covered and – we got an update on 2022 running back from the state of Virginia, Tevin White, who is still, like I said, still open to all six of his schools in his top six, but Georgia and Arizona State really high up on the list for him. Definitely going to get efficient visits out of those two. Thank you for joining us this week, and we'll catch you next week on episode four of the RBU podcast. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches,
0: but there's only one crispy, So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks.